Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the word. We're glad to have you from around uh, the country and around the world studying and downloading with us. We encourage you to subscribe uh, to our podcast if you choose to, but for certain, continue to download the information and study along. If you have any questions, contact me at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Now, tonight we're going to share with you um, the message that we taught last night during our 6 p.m. Bible study, and uh, it will be a, a reproduction of our Facebook post, but... Uh, last night, as we tried to do a dual uh, broadcast, uh, the podcast did not go through. So we're going to share that with you today. It's the office of the priest. It'll be part two for you, uh, understanding the office of the priest. I know you'll enjoy it. Let's get into the service. God bless you. Tonight for you on a podcast, we'll be doing part two of understanding the office of the priesthood. And of course, for those of you that attended Wednesday night Bible study, uh, you've already been through part one as well. And so um, we're going to uh, go into that here in just a moment. We want to welcome all of those of you from the podcast around the world that are downloading and our new subscribers. We want to remind all of those of you that are listening to subscribe, press the subscribe and the like button on podcast, and then feel free to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Also, don't forget our book, I Surrender, Amazon, and in your bookstore. So we're going to talk about understanding the office of the priesthood. Um... Let's have a quick word of prayer and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then allow us to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us and reveal through the Holy Spirit what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as you do, we'll receive it. And release it to your people so that we can be corrected, blessed, and led, and guided by your words. We give you honor for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Tonight, we're looking into part two of the office, understanding the office of priesthood and the significance of it. Now, we began this by looking into some scripture concerning uh, the tabernacle. And we've talked a little bit about ordering the tabernacle and setting the tabernacle into organization and the importance of that. Tonight we're going to begin with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. 
For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Our earthly tabernacle, well, it's a thing of issue. And our earthly tabernacle must be dissolved. In other words, the human side must be brought under the total control of the building of God. Now what in the world does that mean? That means the side of you that has never been destroyed and that is spoiling the tabernacle must die for the building of God to function appropriately. The issue is that men refuse to die and therefore their earthly house operates over the top of the building of God. Now, where is this building of God? It's in a place where it has been located within uh, the, the use of man to be able to put it together. Of course, that's within your inner man. Why do we know that? Because if your inner man and your soul that are the eternal parts, it's your inner man and your soul that are the eternal parts of the makeup and existence of man. This is why Paul states that the building of God is eternal in the heavens. Now we groan in ourselves to be clothed with the heavenly part of our existence and our experience. But that will occur when the correct time comes. And in the meantime, we must dissolve the earthly while we are living in the earth. The key here is not to be found naked. In other words, to not be found without the building of God in order and operating correctly in our inner man. Remember that Hebrews 4 said, We are naked and manifest to him with whom we have to do. So in spiritual terms, the order of our tabernacle and the operation thereof is very much so known to God. The goal of this building is the release of the burden of the earthly so that we are in touch with the heavenly. In so doing, we can go from the ways of mortality or the liability of death into the ways of life. Now notice, this is done when the earthly is dissolved. It's done while the earthy thing remains on this side of heaven. It's done so that the earthy thing can become a building that houses God. This building must be recognized, organized, and patronized, or it will spoil, decay, and dissolve itself. Revelation 21.3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Then we see this from John the Revelator. The tabernacle of God is with men. All along he's been in you, and Jesus taught that in John 14 and 15. He's been functioning in those who were allowing him to do so. So he was dwelling in those who were acknowledging his presence. Now, 
This was not as an absentee God who disassociated with what was occurring in the earth. This, in fact, was an associated God who was with man, in man, and operating out of man. Well, they would be his people. This statement takes me back to the days of the tabernacle in the wilderness where God was displaying himself moment by moment to the people of Israel, located and living in the camp. Why would we ever have considered that God would not be equally present in our lives? Well, they could see him and smell him everywhere they went. Now, we identify a difference. Of course, they had the smoke. We do not. Therefore, we live, and watch this now, without the awareness of God in us because we see no evidence of Him as being around us. Therefore, we grow unaware of His attendance to our moment-by-moment -moment activities. Here is truth. We have the understanding of His Word, and the Word says that He is near. We have the understanding that we can draw near to Him. And in our drawing, He will in turn draw near to us. We have the understanding that the Father and the Son, according to Jesus' teaching, both reside in us. We have the understanding that the hope of their glory resides in us. But we don't cultivate the conditions of the Father and the Son dwelling in us. Why? Well, it's simple, my friend. We have not dissolved the earthly part of our being because we do not exercise the part of our relationship to Him that could and would expose His presence. But we do know that God Himself shall be with us and shall be our God. But how do we exercise and experience that? Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 16 and 17. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. This is interesting reading. Because it further concludes man, man's role as being the temple of God. Here Paul says, Do not allow the idols of this world to take the place of the God within your temple. Do not allow yourself to be taken to things that replace God in your temple. If you do, you are tempting to match the opposite kingdom inside of your inner man with the kingdom of God. These two things can never cooperate. They will always cause turmoil and struggle. They will always leave you unstable. They will always cause a, an unrest at your very foundation. Now what will happen to you if you try to do this is, you will grow to that unrest and begin to gloss over it as if it doesn't exist. And what happens when that occurs? That 
underworld dark kingdom begins to function in you at a deeper condition than the kingdom of light. You have put your spirit root into a idol that is not to be operating in the temple of God. Not to be there. But we don't understand that and we don't understand the uh, uh, outcome and the influence of such operations. So we just gloss over it, step over it, and go on and continue to live after our idols. Oh, you know what they are. Their jobs, their money, their children, their husbands, their wives, their houses, their wealth, all of those things we idolize that take the place of the kingdom of God. And we gloss over them because we convince ourselves that, well, we need those things. We have to have more. And so we gloss over the impact of their influence in our inner man. And we don't, don't set up our kingdom, our inner kingdom correctly. And therefore, the earthly vessel is not dissolved. As a matter of fact, the earthly vessel overruns, overrides, and becomes more important than the spiritual vessel. What happens when that occurs? Well, my friend, you are living in the struggle. Now, what you will do, not only will you gloss over your idol, but you'll gloss over your struggle. And you'll say to yourself, well, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. So I, I, I'm all right. I, I know that grace is going to get me through this. I'm all right. And in reality, my friend, if you follow my study on understanding the office of the priesthood, you'll realize you are not only not all right, but you are not in position to get in the spiritual world the things that you need, require or desire I'm going to teach you stay with me says interesting reading of course you are the temple of the living God God dwells in you and walks in you so as you move he moves as you think he thinks now if your thoughts expose idols of any kind that rival the position of God that's who I'm talking about, just who I spent two or three minutes there describing. They rival the position of God. You are trying to mix masters. This will not work. It will spoil and cause the heavenly master to retract. And you will go on thinking that grace has done everything you need to have done all the while while the Spirit of God is retracting in your inner man, shriveling up, if you will. Wherefore, the Word of God said, come out from among them. What is the them, my friend? Well, it's the idols that you're trying to force upon the habitation of God. It is your own idol worship. Well, you know, your job, your money, your wealth, your children, whatever, that you're trying to force into a position that transposes 
the spirit man in you and does not allow you to operate your inner man in, under the office of priest. I'm going to show you. Now, you're trying to take care of the habitation of God while transposing idols. No unclean things, my friend, cannot enter into the tabernacle where God dwells. If you're going to op op operate in the office of priest, and you're going to be able to have access into the throne room of God boldly. See, <laughs> we think that because we're Christians, we have access into the throne room of God. We think because we got saved that we just have access into the throne room of God. Let me prove to you that you don't. So many times you have prayed, asked God for this, that, or the other, and been frustrated by the fact that it didn't work out that way. And you have come up with some reasoning that justified the fact that, well, God just didn't want me to have it. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's time. And you continue to pray until you just about come to the point where you stop praying. Because you just don't see any responses from God. But you read in His Word and you see that He hears the righteous. Did you hear what I said? He hears the righteous. And you say, well, I am the righteousness of God. But yet, your prayers seem to go unanswered. The things that you desire, want, the things that you see that would supply your needs, all of those things seem to go unanswered. So in a position of frustration, you basically make those excuses for God and just stop. Never understanding that the righteousness of God that you are made, you are made so because you are in Christ Jesus. And if you're operating out of another kingdom, well, my friend, <laughs> you just aren't in Christ Jesus. If you're operating with other idols as your God, you're not, not in Christ Jesus. Because if you were operating correctly, being in Christ Jesus, your tabernacle would be set in order and you would be living and operating as a priest over that tabernacle. You would be able to go to the labor and wash away all of those idols so that you could enter into the holy place and there offer as a member of the priesthood. But you're not able to do that. So prayer becomes a chore. Attending church becomes a chore. All of the things become a chore. Now when crisis strikes, you will rear up and ask everybody in the world to pray and pray for you. But yet, you have no affinity, no intimacy with God to make sure that you can bring about the answer to your prayer. So you expect others to serve as your priest. When Jesus Christ has already served as your high priest. 
but you don't know how to do it because you got idols in the way. Because you've not been educated and trained in the office of the priesthood. Because you just didn't know. So instead of knowing, learning, studying, being educated and being trained, what did you do? You tried to go by the way of what you could or thought you knew in understanding or what they told you about how prayer works. And the outcome is frustration. The outcome is no answered prayer. The outcome is weakness. The outcome is you battle the sin nature. All of these things are affixed to your lack of understanding. The Bible said my people die because of lack of knowledge. My friend, no unclean thing can enter into the tabernacle where God dwells. This is a lesson that must be heard concerning one's eternal standing with God. Be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. If you don't touch it, I'll accept you. As far as sin is concerned, listen to this. As far as other gods are concerned, listen to this. As far as your temple is concerned, listen to this. You'll not place things before the order and organization of your own temple. If you do, your temple will shrivel and retract in you. Look at Eve and look at Adam. And we know it to be so. My friend, if you do these things out of a lack of understanding, whatever the case, there'll be consequences. And those consequences will be dire. And you will be spoiled, corrupted, and spiritually shriveled away. Become powerless. Become fearful. Become anxious. Become oppressed and depressed. Now at what point did being unlearned and ignorant of the things that I've explained been proven to be the exception? Well, I can't find exceptions for ignorance or exceptions for being unlearned or exceptions for being lazy or exceptions for just choosing to use your will to do what you want to do when you want to do it. I can't find exceptions for those things. I can't find where exceptions for ignorance, unlearned, uneducated, are included anywhere in the text. No, my friend. In the plan of God, there is an expectation that we will put on, put on Christ and develop Him until we are complete in Him. That's the expectation of God. Not that we will put him on and then choose an idol to compete with him. Not that we will put him on and then not follow through the steps of the grand design of God that would bring us in to access into the throne room of God. No, no. Those things, those steps, that process is there for a purpose and no one teaches it. Of course, I've taught about Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lord, the man of the Godhead bodily. I showed you how those things all work together with the plan of salvation. But I'm here to tell you, 
unless we operate the plan as God designed it, then we are not going to come into the position of prayer that brings us into the position of power. That brings us into the position where the promises of God that are yea and amen are released to us. Not going to happen. Because we're not operating the plan correctly. So, our lack of understanding leads us to ignorant living. That ignorance of living leads us to death. We die. Now, we, we may not die in the flesh, but our spirit man is shriveling, shriveling, and shriveling because we become frustrated with the lack of of answers, the lack of ability, the lack of power, the lack, the lack, and the enemy begins to say, you know, where is your God? And you say, well, I know he's there. But we have the concept that God is stuck somewhere beyond the clouds. When all the while, God, his spirit, and his son's spirit are residing in a tabernacle in us. Wow. We lack understanding and therefore it leaves us in ignorance. That ignorance of living leads us to death. Not, not necessarily death of the body, although it can be and can lead one to an early death. But not because, that death is not because that the plan of God was not in place, but because of those idols of which you choose. You could have chosen wisely and learned truth, but you declined and rejected truth. Now you live in the aftermath of your decision. It has dire consequences when you are weak and powerless, broken, bruised, blind, in bondage. Dire consequences. When all the while the acceptable year, the year of Jubilee, was developed and created in the plan and design of God for you. Now what is it that you do not know? That so keeps you ensnared and entangled with the world that you've been trapping yourself in your human side? Well, as I have stated, there is an order of the tabernacle and an organization of the tabernacle that is in you that is operating the question is, how are you supposed to accomplish this order in operation? Well, the Levitical priesthood handled all of the duties of the offering for the children of Israel. They were responsible for worship. God set them aside to complete the order and operation of the tabernacle that Israel used to make sacrifice and then subsequent worship before God. From their work, the protective smoke was generated that led Israel to know that they were under the cover of God and that he was with them. Now in the New Testament, another priesthood has developed. It was the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. He was the high priest of Salem to whom Abraham gave tithes in Genesis 14. He had no past, no father, and no mother. He represented the highest God, El Elyon. 
He was the king of righteousness, and Abraham recognized his position as high priest. Now look at Psalms 110, what David says. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen and shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Here we see the Messiah referred to as, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we must now look into what Jesus did after he had been resurrected. Because we know that he spoke with Mary and said, Don't touch me because I go to my father and your father. What was he about to ascend into the heavens to do? According to Hebrews 9, 11 through 14, But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heaven sprinkle the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ do through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Reading this, we see a very clear picture concerning what Jesus did and why it became a better sacrifice than those of the animals which the Levitical priesthood oversaw. We also identify the blood of Jesus made it so that man could serve the living God. What did he do to accomplish this? Look at Hebrews 9.21. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. He is Jesus, and this was the work completed by him as the high priest who is after the order of Melchizedek. Now let's take that a step further. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. For it became him of whom are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For he, both he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, there's a lot here. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto them. Look what he said. I'm not ashamed to call them brethren, because I have sanctified them. The high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, has included you and me in the position of brethren. For what purpose? To operate the church under a priesthood that would cause the church to sing praises unto God. Now, okay. So you begin to get a picture of the area in which you must be educated. It is the position of priest. You must understand this position because...
But you are now responsible for the order, operation, and organization of the tabernacle that is functioning in you. No one else can do this job for you. Only you. You are the one that must be sanctified and you are the one that must be called brethren in order to become a member of the order of Melchizedek as your Jesus Christ, the high priest, is. Now, this uh, priesthood, you must understand this because you are now responsible. Only you can do this job. You must be educated and enlightened to this fact. If you fail here, you fail, now watch it now, in the rest of your spiritual plan that God has for you. Now I'm going to stop right there. But my next line says, allow me to show it to you. So you're going to have to come along with me into part three. That'll be on podcast. So there you have the end of part two. On this topic, and we're getting ready here uh, to do part three in your hearing. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you have made us priests. And we thank you that you have given us the sanctification that has made us brothers. Now, Father, may we set our tabernacle in order. May we worship you out of a clean and clear tabernacle full of light. And there may we find our entrance into the throne room of God. Minister to your people, I pray in the lovely name of Jesus, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Find him as Lord, friends. Bring your plunder to him, and everything that you have that has a name will fall under his exalted lordship. Find him as the God, the man in the Godhead, and there he will speak to you and show you great and mighty things to come. May God bless you until we speak again.